I'm motivated to have a conversation about the evolution of learning with all of you. So without further delay, let's engage in conversation. According to the American Institute of Stress, 80% of workers feel stressed on the job and nearly half. 42% say that they need help in managing the demands of their co-workers and those in upper leadership. To humanize this discussion, I want to bring you the story of my friend Adam Strong. In his early years, at the age of 11, he got his first taste of entrepreneurship. To start, he needed a bucket, and he lived by a golf course, which he believed was going to be the cornerstone of his first business. Therefore, he started to run up and down the fairway, wading his way through streams with a fishing net in an attempt to explore undergrowth and recover lost golf balls. Now, throughout the course of this youthful experience, Many golfers were wondering why an 11-year-old lad like Adam was wandering around a golf course with a bucket and a fishing net. He showed them the rescued golf balls and offered to sell them to them. And in that moment, Strong realized two fundamental things. He realized that brand and quality was fundamentally important to making money. However, he also knew that he had to learn the art of negotiation if he was going to make any substantial money over a sustained period of time. Strong also knows that the game of business isn't for the faint of heart, and he now dedicates his adult life to helping frustrated business owners and leaders in professional services create business strategies to scale through masterminds. Athletics, sports, and riding also played a major aspect and role in Strong's life. He's the author of two books and uses some of his competitive energy and juice to now help others succeed in business, life, sports, and everything in between. And Strong joined me this week to tell me more. I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation.
you're ready, I'll take a moment to welcome you to the program. And I'm super excited to learn all about your journey in the world of business. Great to see you today, my friend. And thank you so very much for being here. Welcome. Thanks very much for your high energy. I love that. Absolutely, my friend. And I uh, know that you bring high energy and passion to your work of helping frustrated business owners and leaders in the professional services space to help them to create business strategies that help them to scale their business through uh, uh, masterminds, my friend. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about your work and what makes you so fabulous. Yeah, thank you very much for the question. I really appreciate that. So uh, <laughs> it's interesting because... I've been in business since uh, since I was 11 years old. So I've been in business for well over 30 years. Uh, so that's when I started up my first business. And I started working with the professional business owner because what I started to do is I started working with people like attorneys and lawyers, CPAs, consultants, advisors. And it was over the last sort of five years I started working very closely with these people and they started getting some exponential results. And one of the things I really love to do, because not everyone can afford to work with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis, is I really like working with small groups. And the great thing about working with small groups, Kevin, is that, you know, you can really uh, not just get my input, my, my uh, input, you can get the input of others as well. So it feels like, you know, you, you get kind of like, you know, if you've got five people in a group, you've got myself and four others, you know, getting input as well. So it's kind of like killing five birds of one stone type of analogy. So, um, but I listened, I got into masterminds purely, uh, well, purely because uh, my first experience of a business mastermind happened many, 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 many years ago. And uh, I remember uh, I was invited to a mastermind. It was at the Ritz a hotel in london and it was an amazing venue like literally amazing venue in the afternoon they'd bring around afternoon tea and biscuits and you know some of the business owners was fairly good however what i found kevin is that there were some key things missing from a mastermind right everyone was super intelligent they were hugely credible in what they did but they missed a number of key elements number one is they miss the whole amount of human connection because i'll put the moment that how you get the most out of a mastermind is through connecting with like-minded human beings, right? So that's the first thing, right? Secondly, is by formulating collaboration. And that collaboration could come from partnerships, but it could also come from accountability. So you could actually create your own accountability buddies through collaboration, right? So that's my second part. And the third part, which I thought was the most crucial part of why that particular mastermind didn't work was the community. So if you've got people that are just there for the wrong reasons, it's not going to work because it's like you've probably heard this saying before, Kevin, is is that a poison apple then intoxicates all the other good apples. And then you've just got a tribe of, of bad apples. Right. It just doesn't work. So that's kind of like my analogy of creating our business mastermind because it was formulated on those three key principles. So that's what I, I go out about doing it. Um, we uh, have a. Uh, I was going to say we have a by application only type of analogy. And what we do, also, we also integrate travel. So if you wanted to grow your business in different jurisdictions, 
countries. And guess what? You've got to learn about their culture. You've got to learn about how they do business. You, if you want to recruit and uh, take new staff on in those particular jurisdictions, you've got to learn how those people work. Those things give you an edge in the marketplace by learning and getting useful insights from other business leaders that are already a, achieved what you want to achieve. That gives you a whole new, takes things to a whole new ball game. Anyway, that hopes, hopefully that gives you a little bit of context as to what I'm doing and what a little, what a little about uh, the masterminds and um, and how we're adding value. Yeah, fabulous, my friend. And I wanted to also ask you about the concept of leadership and really building relationships with the people that you're charged with leading because I believe that, uh, you know, relationship building is sort of the heartbeat of business. But in order to build relationships, you have to be able to relate with people, don't you? Absolutely. But not just relate to people. You've got to learn, you know, building relationship can take time. Like, for example, this is our kind of first interaction, right? We're building a relationship. It's in the infancy part of the relationship, right? But depending on what you want that uh, relationship to migrate into, it could take months, if not years. And it all based upon building trust with the other individual. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, you had mentioned at the start of our conversation today about my level of enthusiasm and sort of vigor for this conversation. So I wanted to also ask you about the importance of having enthusiasm and bringing energy to conversations. And, how important that is in a business and life perspective, in your view? Uh, well, I think if you're if you're going into a into a situation or you're um, going into an environment, right? You should be the person that you want to be. Like for me, when when you listen to my podcast, when you when you hear my energy, my tonality, my aura is all about high energy. That's my aura, right? But that's because I'm happy with where I'm at, right? It doesn't mean that I'm I'm not telling you guys that are listening in to go all be high energy, because if that's not your natural style, then it just doesn't make any sense, right? So, but I feel like if you come with a if you come in with a 10 out of 10 in terms of energy, then your energy becomes infectious. Energy is everything. It it, it, it tells it shows you how not just enthusiastic you are. But if you come with high energy, because it's not what people, but people don't buy your product, people don't buy your service, people buy you. So if they like you, they know you and they feel like you come from a, a level 10 and they feel like you can get in, they, they can get inspiration from you or again, depending on what the circumstances are, you've got to make sure that I feel like if I don't turn up, whether it be on a podcast whether it be uh, doing a, a live stream or whatever it is, if I'm not at a level 10 for my energy, people start asking me questions. They're like, hey, Adam, is something all right with you? Is something on your mind? Is, is something, are you going through something in your personal life? Like that, that is me, right? Because people know me. So I feel like, I feel like everyone uh, should set the tonality of their own energy to what they feel is comfortable doesn't mean it's right or wrong i just feel like from my perspective having high energy 
it creates it's, it's it's like in it's it's it becomes infectious right because then you've got happiness you've got fulfillment it's like wow where does this guy come from right they start creating these uh they start asking questions and that's where and, and again that's where curiosity comes in as well so i hope that kind of answers your question yeah absolutely and you, you know adam we also share a, a mutual synergy that we uh have both had a, a sports background my friend so i originally went to school to become a a sports reporter, and I know that you've been, uh, in addition to your uh, business acumen and prowess, you've all, also been uh, an elite athlete and uh, been around sports since the age of 11 as well. Uh, and that's sort of how you started your first business. So tell me about that experience uh, growing up near a golf course and for your love of sports as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, growing up was tough for me. Uh, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Um, we lived off the state. Um, I uh, started up my first business at the age of 11, as I mentioned at the beginning. And um, yeah, I, I came up with this idea of collecting golf balls. It wasn't like an idea that just came off the top of my head. I was literally just walking stargazing i don't know what the hell it was but anyway i was stargazing and there was a, a nature reserve and a golf club next to it and i just started started seeing some of these golf balls appearing in the streams and the rivers and i just thought you know what i'm gonna start collecting these golf balls and so the next day i went back with a bucket and i started collecting them and then i started foraging through the bushes and i was like wow there's so many golf balls around here right i I mean, I mean, even the, the golfers have brought really crappy handicaps or they're just really poor players. Um, <laughs> and so I started walking around um, the fairway and uh, and the golfers would come up. They'd, in fact, they'd come running up to me because they'd be very concerned about my safety for an 11 year old. And we would start going into a conversation of why are you here? What are you doing? OK, and. Yeah, and, and that's how the conversation would start. And so I would tell them, I find lost, lost golf balls. And they're like, huh, interesting. Have you got any golf balls for sale? Absolutely. So that's where it all started for me, um, where I started learning sales and negotiation and also the importance of learning about your product. So the golf balls, if, if, you, if there are any of you guys that are listening in uh, are keen golfers, um, having a golf ball in prestige condition with which is a, a great brand fetches a fair price right so if you look at if you go into a golf shop these days right and you uh buy a, a single ball or a pack of balls whether it be a nike a slasinger a dunlop one of the top brands they got that you know you can pick up balls now for like 15 20 bucks a pop that's expensive <laughs> so if you start losing those types of balls right and so this is where i started making money right this is where I started making money because they didn't want to finish there. I knew that I was to hang around at a certain part of the golf, golf course where they may have four holes left. They may be down to one or two balls and I'd be freaking out thinking that their buddy is going to beat them. So they'll start purchasing golf balls off me for cut shelf price. Okay. And that's where we, that's where I started my first business. And my first ever, ever encounter is that I went home with bagfuls of coins 
And I started getting interrogated by my mother who says, where did you take, get all this money from? And I told her about the story and she was so proud of me because I, I kept some of it for myself, my savings. Okay. And then I gave the rest to my mom for food and bread and groceries. So that's kind of how it all started for me. Uh, there's value in the art of tenacity, isn't there? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Adam, tell me about the art of negotiation or the art of the deal. And what do you think are, are the key principles to, to, to doing that effectively? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the art of negotiation really is about, well, first of all, how I got started, obviously, when I was really, really young, right, is knowing what your product is worth. Okay, so again, sometimes if you're selling, say, a service, right, it can be very difficult to know how to position your, say, price, okay, um, for the right price that enables you to create profitability, to be able to create freedom, or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in your business, right? It's going to be very difficult. And a lot of entrepreneurs get it wrong in terms of pricing. So anyway, we've got to know exactly what a, what is it that it's worth, whether it be a physical product or whether it be a service. It doesn't really matter. Okay, so you've got to know what it's worth. Okay, now, if you don't know what it's worth, you've got to think to yourself. And I use I, I have a great exercise with my clients. And I say to them, depending on which occupation you are, Okay, but say say you're a healer or a coach, okay, and you had a methodology or you had a package for your clients, okay, and that client that you were working with was in pain, physical pain, okay. Now, what would it cost for that person to go and get treatment from a professional? Now, it could cost them two hundred bucks an hour. They may need three or four months worth of 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 treatment, right? So it may cost them in excess of say five six grand, right? So then you've got to think to yourself. In terms of what you offer, what you're offering is a VIP service. Okay, what you're offering is an accelerated fast track of what you of what you can deliver for them, the results. Okay, so in terms of negotiation, is knowing what your product is and what the value it brings to the market, but also in terms of negotiation, is what is the problem that you're actually trying to solve? What's the big problems you're trying to solve with your products and service? So in my case, when it comes to golf balls, right? Their biggest fears, which I tapped into, was the fact that they were scared that they weren't going to finish the 18 holes that they were destined to go out on. Okay. I was hanging around hole 14, hole 15, and because they didn't particularly have great handicaps, they may have maybe one or two balls. So I knew that I knew that that could tap into that fear. Okay. But also, I'm also providing a service of convenience. They wouldn't have to go to the golf store. And go pay for golf balls, which may cost 15, 20 bucks a pop, where they could buy one from like six, seven dollars uh, from myself directly. I'm, I'm giving them convenience, right? So yeah. the art of, do you see what I mean? So the art of negotiation is really knowing those main things, okay? But also the last point that I want to talk about in terms of the art of the negotiation is knowing when to walk away. So when you go into negotiation, so let me give you a perfect example. In when we were negotiating with golf balls, when a golfer would come over to me and they're like, hey, so what have you got? I've got a bucket full of lost, lost golf balls. Hey, I'd like to buy it, right? Then we would go into negotiation. They may offer and they may offer me a price or they may say to me, so how much are you selling this golf ball for? I might say, well, it's 10 bucks, right? And they may say, well, I'll give you a five. And I'll be like, 
Well, I know this golf ball is worth at least 20 in the store and I'm selling it for half price. And then I, and then I stop and then I wait. I wait for their response. And then, they, then they're more than likely to put their offer up. They may increase it by a couple of bucks. So maybe I'm increasing that to maybe seven or $8, okay? Then I'm happy because I'm in kind of at the halfway point. I know that I can sell it for a profit of 10 bucks. They're getting it for a steal anyway, okay? They offer me five, okay? They get then a rich, then I walk away with eight in my pocket. I'm a happy man. So knowing to when to walk away, but also when to walk away is when people, when you've got consumers that are too price conscious. So everyone should know what their bottom line is in terms of their margins, okay? So if you're getting to that like bottom line, where you know that if the price that they're offering you or you're offering them is too low and it's not going to provide profitability, freedom, being able to scale your business or whatever it is, okay? If it doesn't do those things, then guess what? You're undercutting yourself to the market, but also perceptionally from a branding perspective, from a consumer's perspective, what they're thinking in their mind is this is too cheap, right? It's a bit like if you go to, uh, say, for example, you're in the market for buying a car, okay? You go to the car showroom, okay? You have a, a display of cars, and one car was out, and you absolutely loved it. But the problem with this particular car is even though the even though the car salesman said uh, there was nothing wrong with it, it was all good, all it had at car service history, everything, it was fully loaded, okay? But it was like, Say, say it was 30% cheaper than what it would go for market value, okay? The first thing I'd be thinking about is what's wrong with this car? Why is it going for so cheap? It's exactly the same when you offer your own services and products. If you offer something which is too cheap to the market, automatically they're going to think it's crap, it's no good, it's inferior, because they're not paying what a premium price should be seen as. So you've got to really understand, make sure that you really understand what your market is, um, what you what what you can what you can go down to in terms of the margins. Okay, when to walk away. Bye bye. Okay. So I knew that being an eleven year old, that if I knew that I wasn't going to hit a certain price of a golf ball, I'd be happy to walk away. But I knew that they'd come running back because the scarcity—it's like the the fear of of, of missing out. Wow, that guy's he's offering me like a 60%, 70% price off that golf ball. I'd be stupid not to get that ball all over a buck. It just doesn't make any sense. So if you think about it that way, it kind of makes sense. So I hope that kind of get that's a very deep, deep question. I could be on here for hours, but I hope that gives you some context. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Adam, I also uh, know that you work with uh, athletes as well uh, from Olympics to otherwise uh, and you also help them with their transition to business in some cases so how would we use a competitive app, a sort of mindset in sports to also translate to success in business in your view well i mean <clears throat> i used to train and study with olympic athletes um so that was my kind of that back in the early days my discipline was long distance running. So there's a lot of principles and there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from being an elite sport. You'll know that, right, uh, Kevin, being yourself. So 
yeah, there's a lot of things that you can transition into entrepreneurship, into running your own business and stuff like that. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, mindset plays a very important role as part of that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and because here's the thing I could give you, Kevin, the best seven figure strategy, business strategy that there is. Okay. But the thing is, if you don't have this mindset that is well conditioned, that is full of experience, full of resilience, resiliency and adversity and know and know what, you know, <clears throat> how to apply the growth mindset principles, then they guess what? My growth strategy, my business growth strategy would mean absolutely nothing to you because you wouldn't know how to apply that. Because the basis of any foundation of a successful business is you. Okay. The biggest bottleneck to any business is you. And that belongs with you. Okay. And that is obviously our mindset. Okay. So we need to make sure that our mindset is, is very well conditioned. Okay. It is, <clears throat> it, you are. And what do I mean by well conditioned? Well, that's a really good question what do i mean by a good a well-conditioned mindset what i mean by that is what are you doing to grow yourself what do you do what's new skills are you learning okay what are you what lessons are you learning from when you are losing okay because guess what if you're losing and you're making mistakes congratulations congratulations because guess what you just found a way that it doesn't work okay and you can tick that off the list OK, that's another thing out of the way. You just found more ways. That it's a bit like use this as a metaphor. Say I'm cooking something. OK, and I need to uh, and, and, and I've got some ingredients. OK, now, if I don't have a recipe book, OK, and I'm putting all the ingredients in a mixing bowl. OK, guess what? You're going to make mistakes because guess what? Some of the ingredients might be incorrect. Some of the amounts might be correct. OK, it's exactly the same principles. So <clears throat> when you're growing a business, when you're scaling your business, the, the the fundamentals don't change. Make it. When I was an athlete, there were some key lessons that that I learned as part of that. You've just highlighted one of them: resiliency, okay, or mental toughness, okay. Because guess what? If you have a vision, if you have a passion and a dream and a desire, guess what? Follow it, okay. All right. Don't remove all the negativity around you because we're full of negativity whether it be in the news whether it be through the relationships that we've created through the people that we hang around with eliminate all the negativity okay first part second part focus there's a million things happening now if you guys that are listening in if you're building a business okay and you feel really overwhelmed and you're doing and you're firefighting and you're doing a million things at a time stop stop right now there's a there's actually a really good um, there's actually a really good formula, which was actually created by Dwight Eisenhower, okay, obviously former U.S. president, okay, and he called it uh, the Eisenhower Eisenhower or the Eisenhower matrix, where you would be able to put things into certain boxes. You maybe have heard of this, okay, and <clears throat> the top left hand corner would be the most important. And most tentative things that needs to be done, whereas the bottom right hand corner will be the things that provide, well, not I wouldn't say less value, but they will be less urgent and they require less of your energy. Okay, they could be activities or tasks that you could delegate out to. So if you are one of those people 
focus on one thing at a time. Just focus on one thing and focus on being the best version of yourself because you can only be the best version of yourself by focusing on completing one thing at a time. Okay, that's how athletes get super good at what they do because they focus on the task. They focus on the activity. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, which is probably the most difficult thing for most entrepreneurs, self-discipline. Okay, because guess what? Most of you that are probably listening in, Okay, it, it, you know, we've all done it. We're only human. We may procrastinate. Okay, we may procrastinate. And because we've not got no one to kick our ass, push us out the airplane, get us out of our comfort zone on a regular basis, guess what? Other things become a priority kids, family, personal stuff going on, right? Everything else becomes a distraction. So you've got to learn to become self disciplined. So if you're doing a job, if you're running a full-time job and you've got a side hustle and you know in order to get out of the full-time job, you've got to work a little bit harder in your side hustle, that means that your time is even more valuable. That means you've got to discipline yourself within the time that you have allocated to build your side hustle business, to build it up so that you can leave your full-time job. So those would be the three main things, resiliency and mental toughness, focus, and the last one that I just mentioned. Hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, I wanted to also talk to you about the idea of create, creating internal motivation and how that applies to creating a mindset shift. Because, you know, I, Adam, uh, was told uh, at the age of nine, my friend, that I would not be able to walk. Uh, throughout the duration of my life because of the severity of my uh, disability. Uh, but I always tell myself that everyone's portrait of success is different and that we're all given the tools to be the authors of our own story. So uh, I wonder your thoughts on, on the importance of creating or cultivating internal uh, internal motivation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, interesting enough, I think if you're, again, depending on what you're doing, okay, I don't believe, I, I mean, I'm very self-motivated, okay? And the reason I'm self-motivated is because I have conditioned myself to be that, okay? And and in your case, for example, with your disability, I'm sure that you were probably bullied like I was at school. And, you know, there were many other things that happened to you that affects not only your uh, motivation, but the way that you feel about yourself, right? But then if you look at other people out there that have got extreme uh, disabilities, you know, for example, Michael J. Fox has got Parkinson's disease. For example, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, I'm just trying to think of his name now, uh, but it'll, it'll come to me in a second. But he was also in a wheelchair and he just talks through his keyboard. Yeah. So he, and he's a complete genius. Yes, Stephen, Stephen Hawking. Hawking. Yeah, that's right. Stephen Hawking. Right. So he's a genius. Right. So um, people like see Richard Branson. Right. He's like dyslexic, completely dyslexic. And he, you know, and he's got like a, a mind which just goes off. You know, there's just so many, you know, when people say to you in your circumstances, if people say you can't do it, prove to them otherwise that you can do it, you know, um, because at the end of the day, I think with motivation, see, I wouldn't say that uh, for me, 
it, when you can become intrinsically motivated, right? I remember, I'm going to share a quick story with you, if I may. Mm -hmm. I, uh, when I was uh, 16 years old, I was, um, actually, I'll tell you what, I'll share you, share you two stories. When I was 11 years old, I uh, started up my running career, okay? When I started up my running career, I was an asthma sufferer, okay? I was pretty pretty severe asthma sufferer, okay? So I'd have uh, regular bouts of having an asthma attack on a bus in public, whatever it is, embarrassing myself, okay? And, um, and no, I wasn't intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated, right? In fact, I had no support structure when I was when I was a kid. My mother and father were very out of tune and not engaged to to, to my growing up or piece it. I ended up at my own accord turning up at the running track and saying, "Hey, I want to start a career in long distance running." The only problem was, is I was an asthma sufferer. Okay, so one of the tiny little voices that are going on in your mind: you can't do it, Adam. You can't do it. You're useless. Are you going to be like a, you, You're going to be you're going to be needing your asthma inhaler every five seconds. Right. So, you know, all of those negative uh, things, which is going on in your head. OK, these are all questions that come that talk to your subconscious mind. So then you have to then counteract with other questions and say, why can't I do it? What you know, if I you know, so some of the questions that might come in your mind is why can't I do it? If this person can do it, why can't I do it? Does that make sense? So you've kind yeah. of come up with a better question for what your subconscious is telling me. And normally it's through it's normally through um, uh, external factors of people saying you can't do something right. Normally it is most of the time, actually, it is your subconscious talking to you, saying that you're not good about or you're judging yourself against other people. Now, one of the things that happened to me and the first time I went, uh, that I was uh, I was walking down to the running track, I started seeing all these amazing athletes. Already, I was creating a judgment in my mind thinking, I can't do this. They're better than me. But of course, they're better than me. They just, they, they've been doing this for years. I'm just getting started. I'm an asthma sufferer, right? But then six months later, all my asthma had disappeared. So I knew that I could do it, if that makes sense. So I think... In answer, hopefully this gives you uh, a little bit of um, hopefully it gives you what you're looking for in terms of your question. Um, but I wouldn't worry about what other people are saying. In fact, I ignore people. You know, I always say to people, I always think to myself, do you know what? They've got their opinions and I've got mine. OK, if you have a passion and a belief and a dream and desire, go for it. That's what I say, you know, and uh, <clears throat> because Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Or belly buttons. Everyone's got one, right? At the end of the day, opinions mean nothing. It's the lowest form of information, okay? If you believe believe in yourself and you believe you can do something, you will. You can conquer the world. You can move mountains, whatever you want to do. Makes no difference to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about the concept of high achiever or becoming a ultra high achiever and then coupling that with what you call personal uh, productivity. I'm wondering, Al, how do you think those two things are interconnected and how we can sort of motivate other people to really know what their value is and 
really celebrate what they have to offer as people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you don't have to be an athlete to live an ultra whole life, right? I mean, look at Brendan Burchard, right? He, he he's written he he, he you know people see him as high performance okay you have the high performance podcast right so i think it if you want to be high performance and and the in terms of what you're asking me in terms of the question from what i get gather understanding is how do we apply high performance with motivation i'm assuming is that correct yes sir great and so again it you're when we think about high performance and we think about motivation, and I kind of shaded a little bit onto this uh, earlier on, actually, is, again, you got to look at, number one, you've got to look at your relationships, okay? Because, again, your relationships play an important role in terms of who you are as a person. So that's the first one. Secondly, living by your core values, Okay making sure that you're aligning your core values to people that uplift you okay you're again surrounding yourself with the right people okay so you know if you're hanging around with people that are broke then guess what you'll be a broke person <laughs> you probably heard that right if you mm -hmm. hang out with people that have high performing have high performance or that are high energetic or are enthusiastic or inspirational then guess what you'll become that person you will become that person. The five most common people you hang around with is who you become. All right. So that's extremely important. But again, personal growth, okay, is very, very important. Okay. Investing in your personal growth. And I'm not just talking about the mindset stuff, I'm talking about everything on every levels. So we, we talked a little bit about energy earlier. Okay. Energy comes in four forms it comes in the physical form. It comes in the emotional form, in the mental form, and the spiritual form. Okay, those are the four forms. Okay, so in order to, in order to, uh, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to have high performance, high energy every single day. Not even I do that, by the way. I'm human. Okay, we're all human. Okay, we're going to be realistic in our, or again in our aura. But if you're not happy, we all have choices. Okay, very important. We all have choices. Okay, so if you start blaming your parents, your spouse, your sister, your brother, whoever it is, okay, about your circumstances, okay, stop because you're in complete denial. Okay, stop blaming others for your circumstances. You all you have a choice. Everyone has a choice. Okay, so relationships, core values, aligning yourself to making sure that those core values but also being in terms of your brand as well, because your personal brand, again, authenticity. Okay. So there are three core values that I live by authenticity. Okay. So what does that mean in layman's terms? Okay. You might've heard of it really, really important and that kind of stuff. If, some, if something's going down in, in my personal life or I feel strongly about a particular topic or subject. I will speak about it and I won't care about what other people think. Cause guess what? They're not going to like what I, what I say sometimes. All right. And guess what? You've got to accept it. Not everyone likes you, but not everyone hates you. <laughs> all right. We live in a world of judgments all the time, right? That's really important. Um, what else can I say? Yeah. 
Um, so core values, aligning yourself. So uh, yeah, tr the other one was transparency. I've got a really good friend of mine. In fact, I, I've run a podcast myself. And one, one of the things that I look for in, in terms of leaders is transparency, making sure that they live by a transparent life. What does that mean? It means that they're not doing anything looking dodgy or fraudulent or anything like that, or they're being open and honest about their life, you know? Um, and it's just so much fake it before you make it BS out there, right? You just got to make sure that you, you live in a transparent life. Okay. And, and then the, and then the third one for me is integrity and integrity to me is about trust. Okay. You can only, it takes, it can take years to build trust with people, with your tribe, with your community and whatever it is, but can take seconds to destroy it. So you've got to make sure that your, your integrity is aligning to the right people. You're doing the right things. It feels good, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, thank you for that. And I also want, building on, off your last answer, Anna, what do you think, think it means to create transformational and impactful leaders in business? Well, that's a very big question. <laughs> what does it take to create transformational uh, and inspirational, impactful leaders? That's a very uh, big question. I think uh, going back to what we just talked about, you know, leaders that lead by uh, uh, their core values is very, very important. Um, but also transformation doesn't happen out of coincidence. It happens through being part of the right culture right whether it be a work culture whether it be an you know whether it be a your work you know whether it be your own business or working with someone else but making sure you're within the right culture the right environment uh to create that transformation but also and i think it was a henry ford quote or it might have been a jim Rohn quote i can't remember but he said if you help achieve if you help others achieve their goals you'll help yourself and give value to your own goals 10x or even more the real value is adding value to others helping others achieve their goals dreams and aspirations and you'll help you and you will achieve yours much faster and i live by that motto every single day yeah absolutely i know uh and you have a book that you've written and you've mentioned your own podcast and you also run three businesses, my friend. So tell me, where does your sense of ambition come from? And what, what, what sort of message do you hope to deliver through all of the, the projects that you have on the go? Hmm. Well, I think for me is um, I'm kind of at a stage in my life where I've been running business for 30 years, right? I love what I do. I live and breathe what I do. Love helping people, like genuinely and authentically love to help people, okay? Um, but for me, I'm kind of at this stage where, you know, money's not that important to me. I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by legacy. What does legacy mean to me? Legacy is uh, doing things where legacy legacy to me is 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 being remembered when I'm not here on this planet Earth anymore for the right reasons. You know, for example, 
it's kind of going back to who you want to be remembered for and how you want to make people feel. So for me, I'm kind of like looking to build legacy more than anything else. Um, and because money doesn't interest me, even though it, you know, makes the world spin round and things like that, because I, you can always make and lose more, make and lose money. Okay. Legacy. You can't because you only have time against you and time is a currency you cannot get back. So I'm kind of like driven from through that legacy part. And that's kind of like, for me, that's what, that's where kind of ambition comes from is being able to push the needle a little bit more, being able to take things to the next level, being able to get myself out of comfort zone, being able to do things that I might not be used to. Right. And sometimes we all get scared of technology or we get scared of doing things that we're just not used to. And sometimes you just got to get out of your comfort zone. And that's where the growth comes from, right? That's where growth comes from is getting yourself out of that comfort zone and being okay about it, right? Be okay with being, there's a saying, get com get comfortable at being uncomfortable, right? That's a, that's a really important saying. Cause like, again, that's where the growth comes from. That's where your, that's where your personal growth comes from. That's how you become the best version of yourself. So again, I, I kind of cut down that answer a little bit more, but hopefully it gives you uh, what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, I'm curious, how do you define the word prosperity in business, life, sports, and everything in between? So what does the word uh, prosperity mean to you? Prosperity to me is is very similar to happiness. That's what prosperity means. To me, but that's my personal opinion, of course. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. But I think it's being at peace and, and being happy with where you're at. Me, I will always be unhappy with where I'm at, because, purely because I'm the mindset of I can always be better. I can always improve upon things. Does that make sense? Yes, you know, and It's like anything, right? So I had a great conversation with uh, uh, John Lee Dumas, who's the uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast host. And... One of the things, uh, he was on my 250th episode, and I was like, John, I just want to celebrate us because we're doing 250 episodes together. And he was like, hey, Adam, I just wanted to say you rock because you're one of the very few people out there that show up consistently all the time, and you are improving. Even if it is the small margins, you're always giving, 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 giving. You're always taking it to the next level, and that's what it's all about. It's being able to, I don't believe in moving. You're even doing one of two things. You're even moving forwards or you're moving backwards. You're never standing still. Okay. For me, I'm always looking, even if it is that small, small margin. But if you take a look at your own life is how can I move the margin that little bit further, that little bit quicker? How can I make those sudden improvements? Yeah. How can I uh, be, be more? If that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm talking about the podcast you host, my friend, called the uh, Game Changers Experience. I know it was voted uh, the top three globally for you, and a podcast like you uh, shared before, where you share industry insights on entrepreneurship, mindset shifts, and everything in between. So, tell me about the podcast and and the legacy that you hope to 
link through conversations, my friend. Sure. I mean, uh, I created the podcast about three years ago. It was actually in the middle of COVID <laughs> that I came up with the idea of podcasting. Um, I actually did a, a really big online event. It was a summit that I did, um, you know, and it was absolutely amazing. And then people were like, hey, so we want more of this. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing any more of this summit because it's too energy draining. But I'll tell you what I will do, I'll create a podcast. And that's kind of like where it came about. And the ideology between uh, the podcast, it's called the Game Changers Experience for you guys that want to know. It's called the Game Changers Experience. It's in the top 2% global rankings. Um, but it was based around um, the winning and learning principles of me being an athlete, but also taking those principles into business, learning about marketing and branding and business growth, all of those juicy things that you can learn about. But actually, um, we're actually going through a rebranding process right now, Kevin. Uh, and we're actually going to be relaunching the podcast very, very soon. Um, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we, 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 it's it's not going to be out yet because we're going to be doing, uh, I'm rebranding me, actually. Um, so we're just doing uh, some fine tuning at the moment and uh, making some improvements in certain areas of my brand. Uh, it takes a little bit of a process. It's a bit of a process and it's taken a little while, but the new podcast is going to be called The Business Strategist. That's what the new podcast uh, is going to be about. And uh, I think the real main difference between what we're doing and what's out there at the moment is we're going to be doing record. We're going to be recording live uh, uh, live sessions with clients that need business strategies to grow their business. So we're going to be formulating some new ideas. We're going to share some insights. Again, there is. I don't believe in a one size fits all approach. I don't believe there's a, as a methodology or a magic secret source to growing a particular business because my secret source or formula might work for one business, but not, might not work for another. So this is kind of like going deep into people's businesses, but also to give people some insight into, you know, some of the key strategies that they could then apply in their own print, uh, businesses, whether it be marketing, whether it be branding whether it be sales, whatever it is that they're lacking, I'll be sharing some insights about how people can move the needle that little bit more and get themselves unstuck. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, my final question for you, um, you answered the legacy question earlier. So my final question for you uh, today has to do with the concept of hope and a really you know, moving, you know, one of the reasons, Adam, I wanted to start this podcast is I looked at the world and I told myself, there has to be more that brings us together rather than brings us apart. So when you look at the world, Adam, what do you think is the biggest way that, that we need to work together to create more, what I call, bridges of unity and allow people to be heard and respected and get back to growing a prosperity, if that makes any sense, in terms of listening to people and really giving authentic value to what they have to say. So that's a long way of saying, how do you think we build more bridges of unity in life and in business? 
it's a very deep question <laughs> it's not going to be a it's not going to be a short answer but i kind of condense it down as much as i can i think from my perspective and again there is a lot of stuff out there the you know i feel it doesn't matter it doesn't matter your age sex religion disability it doesn't really matter at the end of the day i always feel like the best way that we can create i, I wouldn't even call it unity because again what you're saying is do i want to create a tribe do i want to create a cult do i want to create this community or whatever it is it might not be for one person it might be for another person's because then we then start alienating people um for me in terms of unity i always start to look at ourselves okay so what can i do to be the best version of myself who do i need to go hang out with all right who can i collaborate with and one of the actually one of the tasks um that i ask you guys to do if you are running a business is to create a short list of 25 people okay create a short list of 25 people that you could potentially collaborate with but also thinking about why do you want to collaborate with those people for what reason what do you bring to the table why is it that you see them as a great collaborator okay so it's looking for um yeah i was going to say it's looking for not just strengths and weaknesses but it's looking for where is the common ground where is the alignment to what you do to what they do okay so you know i don't believe in the whole kind of like world domination thing i think that's complete bullshit you know i believe staying in your lane focusing on your industry okay and think of uh, your industry as a big birthday cake okay all the so-called experts all the people the generalists they want the whole birthday cake to themselves okay the big problem with that is that everyone's trying to eat it what you need to do is to focus on one percent of that birthday cake because their success in that one percent of that birthday cake and that could be that could be aligning yourself or niching down to a particular area of your business that could be to specialize in something particular in in something in particular so again depend on what your occupation is so for example um a lot of the clients that we work with as i mentioned to you at the beginning are advisors consultants uh their cpas their attorneys their lawyers whatever it might be rather than being a generalist in those industries so for example uh, we was working with a, a, an IP lawyer and he was a generalist, right? He was a generalist when he first started working with us and he didn't know which type of value that he could position himself as the go-to person. But what we found is that he actually enjoyed working with tech for tech medical companies. So he became a specialist in that particular area. And then he started creating collaborations and formulating partnerships with anyone that was affiliated with tech medical science companies all right and then started doing business with those companies because he could then add value to their community members clients customers and vice versa so i believe in kind of what i call mini silos so rather than kind of thinking kevin i need to create global unity and whatever it is be the best version of yourself, always add value to others, but also, also to think about a little bit about 
who you want to align to, why you want to align with them, and what value you could bring them and vice versa. So again, it's really kind of thinking it through more than anything else. So hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And I, uh, I want to tell you that I've learned so much through our uh, conversation today. And I want to thank you for the good work that you do to build and move our business and societal conversation forward. And Adam, finally, tell me if people want to get connected with you. What's the best way they can do that? Probably the best thing, way to do that is probably LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is my favorite playground, uh, or on YouTube, of course. Uh, or if you feel the need to, you can check out adamstrong.net. Fantastic. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for the work that you do to move the needle of progress forward. I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me this afternoon and for being here today. It's most appreciated. You're welcome. It's been a great, it's been a great jam.